it's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Vinnie Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. And yo, that's that's what we try to do, man. Ben Sutter got our intro down. TB, the big city guy, Terry Brown, Vinny Hardy here. Another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Y'all know how we do. Follow us on Cats Talk at on Facebook. That's Cats Talk Wednesday, Facebook and Twitter. Like it all tongue tied right off the bat. Oh, um, we got tons of stuff to talk about. We, we got the game last night. Might even look back at the Alabama game a little bit. You know, Damian Collins making a splash. Uh, TB is doing cool stuff in Iowa, hitting up some venues and some games and some potential games he's going to see. We got to talk about that. We got a, a Super Bowl. They even know the, the, the Niners were this close to making it. And we got to talk about the changes on that staff and they affect. Yeah. The Niners and the Cats. So I gotta gotta get your thoughts on that. And we got two two great guests. Both happen to be coaches, so it's kind of a it's kind of a coaches show. We got it's like the Manning cast <laughs> <laughs> or the, the 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 coaches thing during the during the championship games and different things. Uh, that's what we got going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't feel like prepared to do X's and O's right now. So oh no, no. I mean, we, I mean, we ask a basic question and get a thorough answer. That's what. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. But, you know, I'm you know got, I'm from Harlan County. I'm a small town guy. So like we got the Harlan County Black Bears coach Michael Jones. It was, it was Michael who was in school, and he played for the rival rival Harlan Green Dragons. And everybody hated them. We're gonna talk about that. But he's coaching the Black Bears now, so I'm still wrapping my head around that. Uh, we're gonna talk some Harlan County basketball with Michael Jones. Uh, he got a young sophomore who has just been ripping stuff up here lately, and uh, talk about Trent Noah. Uh, Coach David Sis is gonna be on at seven. He's writes for Rivals. He coaches. He's you know in with our buddy Justin Rowland on Rivals and he comes recruiting for Kentucky and North Carolina so we can you know, get all kind of basketball knowledge from these gentlemen tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course y'all check out as you always playactionpools.com for different contests. They got a Super Bowl thing going on. Got an email from Christian McCollum today about the contest. So we got Super Bowl stuff. Y'all go to playactionpools.com NBA March Madness is coming up. They got something for every sport. Just get you and your friends, make your own group, do your own thing, invite who you want, tell who you want. It's a lot of fun and lots of rain watches. Sometimes you don't want to just look at your watch to tell the time, TB. You don't want to look at your phone to tell the time. You just look at your wrist, get a lots of rain watch. Use the promo code CASTALK, get 10% off your purchase. Go to lotsofrain.com and check out everything they got. Got all that in. We beat South Carolina last night. Cal didn't get tossed. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he kind of get ran down there from time to time. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things when you go back and look. Man, South Carolina has really been a house of horrors. Uh, that's where the John Wall team—that's they first lost. Kentucky was number one uh, in the AP poll for the first time in 
many, many moons, too, too many for Kentucky fans, but that week went down and Devin Downey, all five foot, five and a half of him, uh, yeah. put on a show and, you know, Cal's gotten run. Uh, that was the site of uh, uh, Aaron Harrison telling us that the story was not over. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and going back to when we were in school, South Carolina, with uh, B.J. Mackey and, and those guys you gave Kentucky. Watching? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was three of them, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave Kentucky in 97, first senior day loss in a long time. Yeah. Uh, so South Carolina has just been one of those kind of fluky uh, places, but uh, the Cats handled business like they did against uh, 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 Alabama. I, the, the beauty, and I know we'll dive into this with uh, Coach Dave when he comes on, is yeah, there's a lot of things you can point to that the Cats can improve upon, but neither one of those road games I never thought they were going to lose. Even when South Carolina last night uh, tied the game at 43, it was never uh-oh. It was like, okay, come on. And, and they did. And we'll that's talk about that. Did. That's kind of what they did. It's like, all right, come on. It's like well, when it got tied, that's what they, that's like, the, that's like they got pissed off and like, all right, let's go. And then, well, and, and we'll talk about uh, tie tie, I'm sure, uh, because when it was tied at 43 43, he either scored or assisted on 10 of the next 15 points to really widen that up. And, and that's a, that's what you need come March. You need a dude that can go get a bucket as Cal did not call a timeout. You know, South Carolina went on a run to tie it up. He did the Phil Jackson. And y'all got in this, so y'all figure it out. And you can do that when you've got a veteran team and you've got a tie-tie Washington. So uh, I'm I'm encouraged. Uh, Like I told you before we started recording, I see folks, they're looking at the bracketology, which seems even more useless than what Mel Kuyper and uh, ESPN do for the draft. You know, it, and honestly, I'm not trying to be a Todd, hater. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, maybe I, but for the most part, if you watch college basketball with any regularity, you can look around the country. You can almost pick 64 of the 68 teams. Like, I may not be able to see them all, you know, but that's really not that hard. You know, oh, this team is 500 in the SEC. They're probably a bubble team, right? Like, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's not as hard, you know, well, so-and-so in their bracketology and so-and-so's bracket, it doesn't seem to be that hard. And Joe, okay. Joe Lenardi in the lab, don't don't be insulting Joe's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, people start now is when you start looking like, oh, give me this bracket. Look, uh, the bottom line is this. You have to win six straight games. Eventually, I don't care how easy your path to the final four is eventually you got to pay play some big teams that's just the way it is uh i I know that the ncaa doesn't always seed kentucky where we think i think sometimes they drop the ball on that because they want some some built-in drama that's fine but you got to beat those teams and and uh on our spaces last night i i you know, I'm a comic book movie guy. I talked about the Watchmen, and and there's a character Rorschach that goes into uh, prison, and some of the inmates say, "Oh, you you're trapped in here with us," and he boom, boom, boom. He says, "No, you're trapped in here with me." <laughs> so all these people saying, "Oh, I don't know about Purdue." No, Purdue's got to play Kentucky. 
Gonzaga's got to play Kentucky. And we got an Oscar Sheebway, right? We got a National Player of the Year candidate. We've got uh, Ty Ty will probably be SEC Freshman of the Year, be all freshmen uh, nationally. Severe is going to be on some lists because uh, I believe he's still third in, in assists. Like, we're Kentucky. We didn't get eight national titles, 17 Final Fours. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, we didn't get all that by dodging people and having things break our way. We got that because we kicked in the door, right? And we're here. We're Kentucky. We don't duck anybody. Oh, 2014, you want us to play Wichita State, Louisville, and, and Michigan? Okay, bet. All right, 2011, you want us to play Ohio State and then North Carolina? Okay, cool. That, that, like, my thing about Kentucky fans is everybody can rattle off all these statistics, right? The Final Fours and all that. But it's still like, oh, you know, so-and-so's, they're out to screw us. Who cares? The NCAA is trying to screw Kentucky. They're doing a piss-poor job of it. <laughs> you know, I see people complain about the AP poll. No team has been ranked in the AP poll, poll more weeks than Kentucky. Nobody. Only Duke has a higher uh, average ranking. Their average ranking in the poll is 6 point something, Kentucky 7.1. Only Duke and UCLA have been ranked number one more than Kentucky. Now, you can point to any particular week and you can say, like this past week, Arizona leapfrog to number four. Okay. And every now and then somebody doesn't have Kentucky. Like the one guy, Kentucky boat races Kansas, and he drops Kentucky down and moves up Kansas. Okay, that's nonsensical. What I'm talking about is if you look at the complete body of work, the AP poll really honestly and truly reflects how good Kentucky's been since the 1930s. So I it's like it's like a yin yang with a lot of Kentucky fans. They are they have a superiority complex and an inferiority complex. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, ESPN doesn't like us. Look, man, Kentucky played uh, South Carolina last night. Was on ESPN one. The <laughs> number one team in the country, Auburn, played a better Arkansas team, and they were on the Deuce. Now, the talking heads at ESPN, like Digger Phelps, I don't think he ever picked Kentucky to beat anybody. I don't care who we were playing. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seth Greenberg may say something negative. Whoever, whoever. All right, fine. But the people that want eyeballs on the screen at ESPN love Kentucky. Because every year, the top 10 most viewed college basketball games on uh, ESPN, of those 10, Seven or eight involve Kentucky or Duke. Yeah. So the people that sell ad time, they sure love Kentucky. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> this this narrative that every, you know people are out to get Kentucky. Come on, man. I, I love Kentucky fans, but it, you know sometimes we take it to the nth degree uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's just don't know what else to do. I don't know if it's just. Just, just gotta, gotta find something to, to yeah. be in to have anguish over, even when there's yeah. nothing to worry about. And it, you know, and nature is healing since Kentucky fans are now griping about seedings. I like this is we're back, we are back. 
and the fact that and the fact that uh you know this only the second time his name's been mentioned the fact that shade and sharp wasn't dancing in the video last night that's what we that's what we nitpick yeah so so now we've got people no if you look at the the three second to five second clip his shoulder dips a little bit but then come on man like look i I just you know right there after the Kentucky game last night, you know how good this year has been? This is how good this year has been. I, I, I watched a little bit of UCLA and Stanford. Johnny Juzang, I have seen zero Johnny Juzang. Remember all during uh, UCLA's run? We could have shooting. We That discourse is done. Yeah. And once these wins start racking up, the Shade and Sharp discourse will be put on the backboard burner. Yeah. You know, but so your your manufacturing stuff, uh, I listen to a lot. Of, I listen to uh, uh, CBS with the Matt Norlander and uh, Gary Parish talking college basketball, and they and people that know are like Kentucky pretty good. Like Kentucky is really really good. You know Gary Parish said they don't have like I guess the the same amount of marquee quadrant one wins as a lot of teams, but the eye test tells you this team is good. When we are 100%, this team is good. That's it. Had the lead at LSU before we lose our backcourt. Had the lead at Auburn before we lose our backcourt. Uh, but other than that, this team is really good. Yeah. And, and and so my whole thing is enjoy. This is fun. Like, if you can't find fun with this team, Oscar being Oscar, who is, is getting into the rebounding record books like we've never seen. Like when Corey Price and those folks are giving you nuggets, you know, this is the best rebounding stretch since like 1961. Oh, okay. I'm paying attention. You know, it's mm-hmm. potentially that uh, Oscar could be top five in rebounds in a season. Severe can have a top five assist season mm-hmm. at Kentucky. Like we're seeing dudes put up these kind of numbers. They're good kids. They're having fun. They're winning. I, I, I don't know. You got to really work hard to find some negatives with this bunch because they are good. They are a good bunch. This is the team people said they wanted. They wanted an older team. They wanted, you know, veteran guys. And this is what this is what you get. So you get Chris a veteran. Fisher, I'm, I'm sorry. Chris Fisher tweeted out earlier. I think it was earlier today that, you know, as we know, most of the Cows teams that are you know predominantly freshman underclassmen kind of get it going about now because of that learning curve it takes them a while to pick it up well, we haven't had that because it is an older team and it's basically been rolling like you said when healthy as long as they're healthy they've been rolling since the Notre Dame game we haven't had to worry yeah. about that learning curve because you got veteran guys you got the transfer guys coming in and so all of the, the lumps and the waiting for cohesiveness that you see in December from those you know freshman led teams you, you kind of just bypassed all that this year. Yeah, and 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 I get it. You know, you, you got to complain about something. You can't just say, "Wow, this team is great." But uh, yeah, the pieces are coming together. We've got shooters. Uh, the when your six man is uh, uh, Davion Mintz, mm-hmm. who's like at fifty six percent of his last you know last four games from three. That's pretty good. And, and you've got guys that you can go to. Uh, I know he got injured last night, but you look at Jacob Toppin, 10 points in six minutes. You look at what Damian Collins did 
you know, Oscar had a quote unquote off night. Damian Collins stepped up. Like, that's what you need come March. And and the one thing I don't think Cal gets enough credit for is he keeps people engaged. You know, he, we get the Marcus Lee game. We get Isaac Humphreys. Do you remember Isaac Humphreys in the 2017 Elite Eight against North Carolina? Had the double-double. And we're like, where did this come from? Was, yeah. So, right. So, Cal, he, he does a remarkable job. He likes to play his 7-8, right? That's his usual rotation. But if you're 9-10-11 and he calls on you, you got to be ready to go. And he does a real good job with that. So, you know, there may be nights where – Oscar can't get it going, and Collins has got to come in. Now he knows, we know, he knows, coach knows, hey, he can do it. You know, and Jacob Lance Pop. Ware, Lance Ware been doing it every time he comes in, too, in spot And, it, and it's so <laughs> weird when you look at the plus minus, Ware's usually like a minus two or minus three. It doesn't capture his, his there, there's no drop off. You know, if he comes in, it's a 10 point lead. Yeah. It may go to eight when he leaves, but he's giving you three or four quality minutes right there. Yep. You know, even if he's, he, yeah, even if he's using up a foul that doesn't go to Oscar or Keon uh, or to Toppin, but he's been playing really, really well. And I believe, I, I think, was it Kyle Tucker that wrote about him? Somebody wrote about uh, just how it, he's, he's taken upon himself to work and improve. So these are the things you need come March. You've got. Cal talks about him pretty much every press conference. He mentions Lance Ware by name every game. Lance played great. Lance gave us good minutes. Lance this, Lance that. So, and 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 the thing I like about it, he he plays with a little bit of an edge. Yeah, like he, he I, I don't know what his star rating coming in. I didn't pay attention to that, but he plays like you know, like he's the 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 he plays like a one of the Pistons of old. Like, if he's going to foul you, he's going to get his money's worth. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it ain't just a, oh, why'd you foul? Like, he'll he'll get his money's worth. And mm-hmm. and, and he, he's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid mm-hmm. to jaw. Uh, uh, Drew Brown tweeted out last night that, you know, Lance Ware is a trash talker, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think of a dude that gets like seven or eight minutes a game being a trash talker. But uh, the, the, the best teams, not just Kentucky teams, have a dude that's right on that edge. Not a dirty guy, yeah. right? <laughs> but the guy that you probably don't want any problems with. Mm-hmm. And, and Terrence Jones was a little edgy when he was, t- he was there. Absolutely, like, a touch of crazy. You don't, you don't, get, you don't want, don't, 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 don't cross him. You don't right. know what's going to Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Chuck Hayes was that guy. Like, I, he, this, this, he's not the dude now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm gl- so you you start checking off what. A, a good team run in March looks like, and Kentucky checks off a lot of those boxes. And so, as a Kentucky fan, I'm excited. I don't know if this team will win number nine. I hope. I don't know, but they've got all the ingredients. The recipe may not come out how we want to, but this was the perfect season to have as a follow up to last year's team. And I hope the the, the Big Blue Nation appreciates it. And 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 and, and, and right, and that's the thing too is I think with not just you know social media and there's a lot of podcasts like we have, and there's so much to talk about. Every game gets dissected to the nth degree. But I always tell folks, 
go to bigbluehistory.net and just pull up a random year and, and check a random game. Last night's game was an average SEC game for Kentucky. You, you're on the road. You get somebody's best shot. Your game plan doesn't go according to plan, but the game's never in doubt. <laughs> that's generally that's a Kentucky team, right? That that's that's how it goes. So instead of going up and down and up and down with every missed shot, take a step back and say, this team is progressing. We've had uh, from Vanderbilt to Bama to South Carolina last night, teams that want to get physical, teams that want to rough you up and get you off your get you off your game. And Vanderbilt took the cats off, really did kind of t- knock the cats off what they wanted to do. I think they, they got Oscar a little rattled. But these last couple of games, the Cats, you know, Frank Martin's teams are going to play up to that line. Not dirty, but, you know, those those screens are going to be have a little something extra. Yeah. If you're going to go in the paint against a Frank Martin team, hey, you're going to feel it. So this is the type of game that Kentucky needed. Yeah. They can win blowing teams out. They can win when, uh, you know, South Carolina was out-rebounding Kentucky, which is unusual this year. Can you win when the thing you do doesn't go well? You know, not every game is going to be like Kansas and Tennessee where you're just hitting everything and blowing the doors off. But can you can you find a way to manufacture a comfortable win? And they did. And so I stay encouraged. You know, the only thing I would, I, I, I would kind of be concerned about would be the minutes for Wheeler and the minutes for Grady. Wheeler had 37, Grady had 38. Uh, my concern on that would be February minutes are different than December and January minutes. And March minutes are much much different than uh, February minutes. So I would be concerned that Wheeler and Grady, I would I would like to pull that back a little bit because I just don't know how good the team can be if those dudes are getting close to 40 minutes a game. And speaking of minutes, our yeah. guest is back here. Look, we're on Roku now, so he's, he's backstage. Green room, green baby. Room. Uh, he knows a lot about minutes. He played a lot of minutes because he, you know, had the keys to the Harlem Green Dragons offense as the point guard back when we were in high school. Now he's the coach of the Harlan County Black Bears, so he is in charge of distributing all the minutes for the young man he's coaching. Talking about Michael Jones, coach of the Harlan County Black Bears. Coach, man, what's going on? How you doing? What's happening, man? I sure appreciate y'all having me. Appreciate you hopping on here, man. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm we all about the same age. I went to Cumberland. You were doing your thing for the Green Dragons. Yeah. I'm still, maybe if you've heard people say this, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that you are coaching the Black Bears. Since you, you know, former Green Dragon coaching the Black Bears and Derek Cow is coaching Harlan. So I'm yeah, we kind of switched there, did we? Oh, man. <laughs> but look, you know, glad to have you. You know, you, you're doing your thing. Uh, what, 16 and 10 this year. Three games left, and then it's tournament time, man. Three games left, and it's tournament time. Yeah, we started the season off pretty well. Uh, we're 16-5 there, and we went in a little slump right here and lost the five in a row. But, 
you know, we teach the kids, talk to them all the time about adversity. You know, that, that makes you stronger. And every opportunity that uh, something goes wrong in your life, then you've got a chance to make it something special come out of it. So we know we'll get this thing turned around uh, and headed in the right direction. But uh, so far, so good. We have a successful year, three more games left, and it's tournament time. It's one and done. Yeah. And I know – you know, last night we're at Harlan, which was your alma mater, your, the Green Dragons that you played for. It's not your first time going back there, but what is it like when you go back to coach where you had such a great career? Y'all had all those great teams yourself, Charles Thomas, Todd Cox, Casey Lester, all those guys. What's it like when you do go back and, and coach against your old high school team? It's it's definitely odd. It, it's odd sitting on the, the opposing bench, and, and even though I've done it a uh, quite a few times now and uh, going back in that gym where I've had all kinds of uh, great memories uh, spent a lot of great times and a lot of, played a lot of great games there and those fans are wonderful uh, it's definitely a a weird feeling for me walking in there every time but once the ball's thrown up you know I don't think about that stuff no more uh, it's between the lines and uh, try to coach the team that I got the best way possible and love going against Coach Cal man he's, he's, a, he's a great dude and does a great job with his kids so uh, it's it's a fun, they had a phenomenal atmosphere there last night. That is all right, man. That is all right. Now, just take us back after after leaving Harlan after graduating. What was what's your journey been after you played high school, you know, in college and coaching? What's what's kind of been your journey up to now through the years? I went to Cumberland College and played a couple of years, and I come back home. I was my goal all along was to to help my dad coach. Uh, to follow in his footsteps, hopefully. So uh, I come back home and started uh, coaching with him at Harlan and uh, started that process of being an assistant coach and just helping him and following him. And then he moved off and went to Clay County, and I went right with him and followed him there. And then we moved back to Harlan. And uh, he took a couple years off before the new school was built, Harlan County. And then they named him the head coach. And uh, I was blessed enough and fortunate enough that when he finally decided to retire, that they allowed me to take over. This is my eighth year. Uh, I couldn't have learned from anybody better, in my opinion. So uh, it was a blessing to be able to take over for him. And your dad was a legend. Like I said, I went to Cumberland. We couldn't stand y'all. <laughs> y'all were always a great team, well-coached team. And you, you know, being the coach's son, you ran the offense. You could get yours when you wanted to, but you were out there distributing. And, you know, y'all had some squads and, and, you know, went and played in Rupp Arena. Uh, speaking of, Wild, Corey Williams, TB, Wildcat Corey, everybody calls in the KSR from Louisville. Yeah. With the Fern Creek. I was, we're kind of cousins. We like kind of cousins, but not like we have, we're both cousins to, it's weird. Like my cousin is his cousin, but Corey and I aren't cousins. If that makes any sense, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm following you, Penny. <laughs> yeah. Um, Corey was talking about y'all the other day because Fern Creek came to Harlem. He said we went up to Harlem one time, and man, they beat us to death. He said it. Uh, actually, uh, that's that's odd because uh, Casey Lester and I was out watching uh, my son play. He was a fourth grader though, just two nights ago, and that game got brought up. The Fern Creek game, and uh, they came in there, and no disrespect to anybody that's listening, but they made fun of us. They was like, they looked at us out there warming up and made fun of us. And one of the better games we played, we took that personal. Uh, Casey was actually ten for ten for that game, and uh, yeah, we wore them out. I said, was it forty? He said, I don't know if it was quite forty. He said, but it, he said it felt like they forty pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah, y'all put it on them that night for sure. Uh, so your dad is originally from Clay County, right? Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, he learned there. from At, the legendary uh, Bobby Keith. Still right? to this day, if I'm not mistaken, he's the all-time leading scorer as far as averaging points per game. I think it's 29.1. He averaged his senior year. Uh, yeah, he played there all, all four years. Right at learn from the master, you know, Bobby Keys. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, he was a senior when Bobby's first year coaching. Mm. What are your memories or interactions of, of Coach Keith? I mean, you know, as a, as I a didn't kid. have any as young, but I did when Dad went back to coach Clay County. Uh, when he went over there to coach him, uh, he would come around some and talk to Dad and come up the house and, and had a few conversations. Uh, you know, that was always special to get to. To listen to him and dad uh, talk about the game of basketball so you can learn a lot just being around him. absolutely absolutely now you being you know coach's son what are what are similarities and, and differences in y'all's coaching style you know you you were proud to learn from him and you know be his assistant but what are what are things are y'all are similar in and what are some things y'all are are different in where you might do it a little bit different than he did uh, the different part is uh, I'm more patient, and he'll tell you that. Uh, you know, kids nowadays, you you got to you got to treat them different. Uh, they're, they're it's not like it was back in the old days where he could pick up a chair or kick a ball in basketball or practice or, or throw one at me or whatever. You know, I mean, he was, he was extremely hard on me. So I'm a lot more patient. Uh, I'm a player's coach. I, uh, truly am. Uh, I, I talk to my players all the time about life in general and uh you know what to expect after basketball and how to act and how to treat people on and off the court so uh that's where we differ and the similarities is 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 i expect uh respect out of them and uh you know dad always demanded that out of us uh i expect that they uh they know that i'm the coach and i'm the only coach and uh, they don't listen to outside noise so that's kind of the similarities that, that we, dad and i have uh, but as far as, as X and O's, I do things a lot different. Uh, I just want to try to develop my own style. He was more of a slow it down, you know, kind of pace and, and grind it out game and, and take advantage of all opportunities, whereas I'm, I'm up and down. We lead the state right now three-point attempts. So uh, that, it's a big style change from what, what Dad had. Absolutely. Oh. And of course, we're gonna to get to maybe some of the noise in a minute, and, and, and of course, talk about Trent and the Terry he's on. But I'm I'm gonna go backwards and do kind of like you know Shaq on TNT, where he's he's always saying you know gotta talk about the others. Yeah, so right. talk about the others, the other guys on the team, because <clears throat> Trent's been getting a lot of shine. So tell us about everybody else and all these other young guys that are on the team and, and making contributions as well. Well, you hit the nail on the coffin when you said young. Uh, we're an extremely young basketball team. Uh, our three best players, you know, we feel like, uh, is a, a sophomore, freshman, sophomore. And uh, uh, Trent has a running mate in the backcourt named Maddox Huff, a 6'3 freshman who runs the point for us, who is getting some love for from colleges. Uh, when they come and watch Trent, they're impressed with, with Maddox, how he plays. He's a phenomenal talent uh, who's – He's got a, a, uh, a, a, I don't know how really to say it. He's got a flair at his game that's nice. It's a confident, but not too cocky way, uh, the way he plays the game. Uh, he really sees the floor well. He shoots it from range with ease, uh, probably averaging seven, seven and a half assists a game. He rebounds. He's been near triple doubles a lot of times this year. 
so he's a he's a phenomenal uh, running mate for Trent. And then we've got a sophomore in Jonah Swanner, who we call the energized energizer bunny of our team. Uh, he's one of the state's leading uh, field goal percentage. Uh, does a phenomenal job of finishing around the rim. Uh, probably the most athletic kid we've got in our school. Uh, he, he was the best football player we had this year. He's one of the best baseball players in the school. So just a phenomenal talent. Uh, and then we got a senior in Jackson Huff who's been starting for three years. He's just a knockdown shooter, does a great. He does. Jackson's one of those unappreciated kids uh, that we appreciate, but people don't see what he does on the court a lot of times because, you know, people get caught up in stats. Uh, but he knocks his shots down. It's a phenomenal shooter and does a great job defending and rebounding for us. And then we've got a kid named Daniel Carmichael Jr. who this is the second year in the row. He's been in the top five, top ten in three-point percentages. Uh, he just he shoots the eyes out of it. He's another knockdown shooter who will defend. So, And then we've got uh, coming off the bench two sophomores that we play a lot. So we're extremely young. Uh, it's a good learning experience this year. But but, uh, you know, we still feel like we got the pieces where we can win it now. We're not looking for the future. And just one senior, right? Jackson's the only senior. Jackson's the, the only senior I got, yeah. Yeah, so uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken, we went 19-6 and six heading into the tournament. And and Trent Noah, who we have, we'll talk about more well as well, has a foot injury and is, is done for the season. So a big blow, obviously. But I'm sure you probably were liking your chances coming into last year had everybody been healthy. We did. You know, we, we loved our chances. Uh, it come to find out that uh, Trent had the doctors determined he played like 11 or 12 games on a broken bone in his foot. Uh, so, and, and then finally it got to where the district tournament and finals of the district it was hurting so bad that uh, he couldn't go no more. So he went and got it. And it was, uh, it was, he had small, uh, bone in his foot that was broke and at that point when uh during the middle of the season we was we felt like we was one of the better teams in the region uh, and then when we got there uh we, uh we ended up drawing knock central and we had them on the ropes without trent uh, late in the game we were uh down two and had the ball and then uh could tell that they were getting tight because you know they didn't expect us to be that close without trent so uh, you know we felt like last year that we we had a chance at it especially if he was healthy and the the 13th region, which I'm partial there because I'm from there, is, is kind of getting some love in basketball for yeah. all the, the young hoopers across the region. Everybody is aware of Reed Shepard and North Laurel. Knox Central has been winning the region for the past couple of years and, and yeah. representing the region at Rupp Arena in the Sweet 16. But you are right there with all the youngsters. You know, Trent is just going to be a sophomore. Y'all are legit right there with everybody else and don't have to you know back down to anybody right you know we feel like uh you know we got a very tough district and i'm sure you know that with bell and harlan in there and you can't count out millsboro so we got to get there first uh uh, but we feel like if we do especially on a bigger floor college floor that we can spread you out we've got a chance to beat anybody and be right there at the end uh you know we were in the finals of the region when trent was an eighth grader uh, felt like he was the best at that point in that tournament. He was the best player in the tournament. Uh, I, tr- I truly believe that. Uh, so we really feel like if we can make that, uh, that's my kids out here coming out of church. Uh, we really feel like if, if we can get there, uh, we give ourselves a great chance to get the rub. Absolutely. Now, Trent has been on a tear. You know, he's getting love from everywhere. You've been Absolutely. retweeting stories from WKYT and everybody doing these articles. He had 66 against Cordia. 
He had some 40-point games before that. So he just just you know, he'd been great already, but then he just blew up. Did you did you see anything that let you know he's about to just go off like that in practice? Or is he just, you know, talk about this groove he's been in lately. Oh, it's it's been fun to watch, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh Trent has grew up a lot just this season as far as uh, taking on the leadership role. And uh, what I've liked about Trent is uh, he started demanding the basketball from me more. And, and I've been asking that out of him. I want him to get that dog, so to say, speak in, in him to take over games because he's capable of it. And uh, he's been asking, especially during this run, you know, run this for me, do this for me, give me the ball. And that's what we need out of him uh, because he's a phenomenal talent. He's six foot six. Six foot seven, uh, who's strong as an ox. Uh, I don't know if you saw him lately, but his body—he's got a college body already. Uh, he, he works so hard in the weight room. Uh, but he's what people don't understand is—is is he's shooting the lights out of it. People see sixty-six or the forty-eight in the fifties when he went on that run and probably think one they're just a one-man show or two he's shooting a lot of times and he's not he's he was uh, when he had 46 or 50 if i think when he had 46 he was 24 for 29 from the field when he had 66 he was 25 for 32 from the field and uh took 32 shots because we had two starters out i needed him to take 32 shots you know we had two starters out six so uh, it's not like he i got i need him to be more selfish uh at times uh but uh He's a phenomenal talent, and I tell people all the time when I get a chance to talk to him, what makes Trent special is that he's a better person than he is a talent. Uh, he's as humble as a kid as I've ever coached uh, and ever been around. Uh, he truly uh, wants his teammates to do well. Uh, he truly is nothing but the W. He scored his 1,000 point this year as a sophomore early on in the year, and we're up 20-some points in the fourth quarter with three or four minutes to go when I stopped the game to present with a ball. And I tell him, uh, I whisper to him, I want you to get 2,000 more. And his response to me was, Coach, let's just win this game. And that's just Trent in a nutshell. You know, you're up 20-some in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go, and he's worried about winning the game instead of uh, me whispering to him how many points I want to score. So uh, we're blessed to have him. He's been on a run. It's been unbelievable. Uh, he's, he's averaging 28 and a half, uh, shooting 52% from the field, over 40% from the free throw or three-point line, 86% from the free throw line, averaging 10 rebounds. So, uh, you know, ain't no bones about it. I've got a special one. Yeah. So it's kind of like Kentucky fans want Kellen Gray to shoot more. You want Trent to shoot more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, and look, you've been around. We talked about all the teams you played on. You, you, you've been a coach. You've seen talented players. Just when when you look at Trent, you see him every day. I mean, is he up there with some of the best you've seen in in your? You know, years of coaching and playing and being around the game is—I mean—is he right up there near the top of the list? He will be. He will be. He's—he's he's got a lot of, and he'll tell you this. He's got a lot of room for improvement uh, in his game, and and he continuously works on it. He—he's he's a gym rat who's you know constantly working on trying to to craft his game. But I think when it's all said and done, that that Harlan, people in Harlan County, especially William say they seem one of the best that ever played there. And uh, that says a lot because you know the talent that's come out of Harlan County, and, and it's phenomenal uh, over the years. Uh, but he's got—he's that special and got that special of a talent and ability. If I can keep him healthy, and uh, Lord willing, we keep him healthy, uh, he can be one of the greats. Absolutely. 
you know, you're on Twitter. Everybody that watches this and listens, Coach underscore J14. There's the girls have a Twitter. They don't. They haven't tweeted much. Is there going to be a Harlan County High School boys basketball Twitter anytime soon? I need to start one, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just now getting on social media. Uh, you know, uh, I've never had uh, any kind of social media until I started Twitter here, like right before season started. Uh, I, I realized that I need to, need to do a better job promoting our kids and and promoting our team, uh, getting Trent Maddox's name out there as much as possible. So, uh, yeah, I need to start, make sure we get one of the basketball team's uh, Twitter account started. I'll get on that. <laughs> and, look, you remember what it's like when we were in school, and this was in the 90s, and – our neck of the woods for years, you know, lack of exposure or yeah. if you get exposure, it was like, well, they're not playing good competition. But look, Scott Russell at Everett's led the state in wrestling when he was done. <laughs> exactly. But it was like, well, let's see what he does against Ashland. If he puts up yards against them, then he's legit. Like all these other games don't really matter. It's, it's always been that way. Yeah. But now, you know, social media, you can put out a tweet and everybody around the state and around the world can see what Coach Jones is saying about Trent and saying about his players. So it, it helps exposure for everybody, but especially for, you know, still kids from my neck of the woods. Oh, it does. You know, uh, he got his first offer uh, about a, less than a month ago from Coastal Carolina, and uh, they've never seen him in person. It was all about stuff that I had tweeted out and then asking for video for him, and I'd sent them made some video clips and sent them whole games and the assistant coach that I was talking to put it up for the head coach in a uh, recruiting meeting and the head coach said you offer this young man tonight and they did they called and offered him tonight never not even seen him in person so I've been able to connect with uh, a lot of head coaches and a lot of assistant coaches through Twitter and and uh, talking to me about Trent and talking to me about Maddox so uh, it's it's been a phenomenal tool to get their name out there absolutely so I'm going to switch it up and just hit you with a couple of random things real quick. Just a right. little, little silly stuff. We're all the same age. I saw this tweet the other day that if you had the keys to only one vehicle, and Terry, you saw this. You and I tweeted about it. <laughs> if, it if it was, you know, all 80s movies and TV, the General Lee, the Ghostbusters hearse, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the 18 van, the the Miami Vice car, the Ferrari car, yeah, two two yeah. Ferrari, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. or Kit from Knight Rider. Which which keys are you taking? Oh, to? I'm taking General Lee, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have that long shaggy blonde hair back in the day. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I gotta go with Kit, man. I, I'm I'm a got kid. The kit. I'm a Kit person too, but. The thing is, when you get your kids, and Coach, you said you got a, a fourth grader, when you have them watch those old shows and they just look at you like, what is this? Yeah. Boy, it, it, hurt, it, it hurts you right in your spirit. Hurt you right in your spirit when they do. You know when you're old, we didn't get to go play in it, but you know when you're old, when uh, we went, I had scheduled a game to go play at the old Hoosier gym, the movie Hoosiers. Mm. We were going to play there. And when I talked to our players about it, they had no idea what I was talking about. Never seen the movie. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it hits, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's humbling. It's humbling. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, man, that's – and uh, 
real quick too, you gonna watch the Super Bowl or you gonna be watching film or who you picking if you are gonna watch it? I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, watch it with my son and daughter, and uh, my my son wants the Bengals to win, so I'm gonna go with him. There you go, and that's that's the unofficial official team of of home anyway. The Reds and the Bengals, and yeah, exactly. kind of roots for them. And you mentioned him, your son. You got your the tweet pinned at your the top of your Twitter, and he's got on a list things that he needs to work on. Yeah, so, I mean, huh, that was that was a touching. And you put a picture of it with him, my crossover, uh, free throws. So he's he's a true coach's son, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he comes to practice with me, goes to games with me when he can, and goes in the locker room and. Uh, it just it was neat when uh i got home that day from practice and he had left me that note uh i didn't even know he was gonna go out for tryouts until a few days before Turn it on. uh and uh for him to, at that early an age to, to already realize you know what he needed to work on that says a lot yeah for sure well man coach we ain't gonna keep you man i appreciate you taking the time you know yeah. there in the lot wait you know picking the family up uh, wish you the best to look down the road through the rest of the regular season and going, you know, pulling for you hard in the district tournament in the region. And uh, just can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, I appreciate cool. you having me, man. Y'all do a phenomenal job. It's great to get to talk to you again. You too, man. Thank Tell you so much, Joe. Yes, sir. Been, yeah, been a while since I've yeah. been, been, like, been to a game in person, too. I think it was Bell <laughs> County a couple years ago at Bell. I think it's one of the last game I caught. So I had to come up and catch some more games but you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you from afar as always man yeah, i appreciate y'all all right thank you coach, thank you, coach. yes thank sir you so thank much. you coach michael jones my harlan county black bears he does have a trent noah is a stud and and they are young one senior so they they're gonna be right there in the mix in the 13th region for a long time you know reed shepherd is getting older pub rightfully so jeff's son going to uk karen mills's cousin or nephew isaac mills their squad is the one that's they're the one that's running it they're the ones that's winning the region and have gone to the state tournament the past two or three years so you know they have to be knocked off everybody's you know to be the man you got to beat the man everybody's gunning for them right now but uh the, the black bears they are right there with a lot of good young talent and, and can, can hold their own with anybody. So fun to see how it's going to play out. Absolutely. And, and uh, just full disclosure, I was born and raised in Fern Creek. I did not go to Fern Creek High School with Corey, but we know a lot of the same people and everything like that. So I grew up probably half a mile from Fern Creek High School, but I just okay. went to Seneca. Okay. Uh, okay. But 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 full disclosure, the world was a whole lot uh, was a whole lot uh, bigger then, and and when we didn't know, like I didn't know anything about Harlan County. I mean, until I was at UK, you know, that was just the the preconceived notions that we had about the your part of the state. I'm sure y'all had some preconceived notions about how we did things in in Louisville, and so uh, it was it was rare those moments because there's so many schools close to Louisville and in Louisville, it was rare for teams to, to go out and play. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that was the thing. And, and I was a, a wrestler. That was my thing in high school. And I only think there were only like eight or nine schools that had wrestling teams in Louisville. 
So a lot of our stuff, we had to go out into the state. So we were going Union County, this, you know, every week I'd be like, where is this place? Like, I've never heard of it. So uh, it was, yeah, man, that just takes me back. We went to, it might've been Union County and, and boy, they called us Louisville Seneca and we got booed like it was a WWF, man. <laughs> You know, they were announcing all the teams that were there, and it was this county and this place, and Louisville Syndica. Ooh. <laughs> just said, oh, like, what is going on here, man? But, but good stuff. I'm, I'm glad that with, with, you know, with social media and, and everything else, it's not quite like it was, you know, back in the dark ages we were in school. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned preconceived notions or, or the lack of knowledge um, I was you know growing up went to Louisville a lot and of course my parents took us around took us to different places and traveled it would you know so my dad's brother whom you met we ate at Sharks with him we lived in Louisville he's been in Louisville for you know, 50 years so we would take trips to Louisville visit my cousins and stuff so got exposed got to see Louisville but there's a lot of people from Louisville who've never been to Harlan County. A lot of people from Harlan County never been to Louisville. So it's a lot of that just don't know about yeah, the other part of the state. Just just never been and don't have any idea what it's like. So I was glad to be able to go as a kid and, and have family there and, and, and be able to go to the Ville and, and take a lot of trips up there. So. Yeah, and, and I always tell people, now, yes, I was born and raised in Louisville. Yes, my mother's from Memphis. Technically, she's from Cordova, Tennessee. That you know, we talked to Tony Delk on Believe in Kentucky. So I do have small town roots now. now. I have been out in small town Tennessee and Mississippi and Arkansas. So I've been exposed to those kinds of places. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, not I, exposed probably is not the right verbiage to use, but spent I'm time. familiar. Yeah, I've, I've spent time <laughs> where you know, there's the water tower, there's the school, and there's you know. <laughs> So uh, it's a, it's a little bit, a little bit McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a little it's a little bit different, and uh, so you know once we all understand, it's all ba- we're all basically the same. Mm-hmm. And my cousins from Louisville, they would come to you know, at least once, at least every Memorial Day weekend. Usually is when they would come to visit, and you know, they would enjoy coming to visit. We like Louisville. The only, I mean, I love Louisville. It's just the Cardinals, you know, that, and he had that back and forth. They were all Louisville fans. Yeah. So you always talk that trash every time you get together, uh, especially back when it was, it was, you know, when Denny Crum was there and Joby and Sutton, you know, whenever the buzzer would sound on that basketball game, whoever won, you know, if, if Louisville won, my uncle was immediately dialing up my dad. And vice versa. <laughs> Kentucky won. As soon as the buzzer sound, dad had the last number and was hitting it and calling my uncle. You know, so it was always uh, that trash talk. My aunt, my uncle's wife, was born and raised in Louisville. She went to Central High School, so she was Louisville her whole life. Bled Cardinal Red. So me and her used to just talk so much trash. And, and anytime. You know, especially when all the little, you know, the, the container pile stuff started and Rick oh, was getting yeah. in trouble, I would just, you know, just rib her and jab her, and she'll finish. She get mad and start cussing me out and stuff. So, <laughs> it, <laughs> just it, pulling yeah. back and forth, man. Now, now Central is, is is the school. That's where that's where Papa Brown went. Was Louisville hmm. Central and uh, Muhammad Ali also Louisville Central. So, 
Uh, I do have to say that uh, you know my father, James Brown, always told people Muhammad Ali was the second greatest alumni of Louisville Central High School. Brown <laughs> <laughs> let him know, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, look, uh, Louisville's a great city. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to live anywhere bigger. I'm in a place mm-hmm. now that's smaller. Uh, Louisville's big enough for me. It's big enough where people don't know everything you're doing, and that's that's all I need is to to kind of be. Yeah, you over there. I'm over here. You know, so you don't run into people. But I've also been to bigger cities. I'm like, this ain't for me. Yeah, I've been to Chicago. I'm like, this is good to visit. This just ain't for me. Mm-hmm. Which is another pet peeve. I don't know if you've seen this on uh, social media. It's always somebody from New York that thinks that New York is the center of everything. And they'll say something like, I went to my bodega, I got a sandwich, a drink, and you know, a carton of smokes. And you're like, that's just a convenience store. Like, what what makes that different than anywhere else in America? Only in New York. No. Yo, know, the guy at the my bodega knows my name. I bet at the general store in any place in America, if you're a regular, they will know your name. Like, oh, here come Joe. Like mm-hmm. Everything I know about New York City, I've learned against my will from watching Law and Order and a bunch of movies. <laughs> I wish I didn't know about the Upper East Side. I, I wish I didn't know about Central Park. I don't need to know these things. Well, if you go past 151st Street, I don't want to know. I don't want to know about this stuff. Like, <laughs> You're crazy up there. Yeah, it's let me let me easy. calm it down. But like, well, you know, this only happens in New York. No, it kind of happens everywhere, man. Like. <laughs> The first time I went, I was 12. And and look, you've been from where I'm from. So seeing how little where I'm from, and then we you know, let's make your first trip to New York City. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you <laughs> try not to act like a tourist, try to act like, but you can't. You just, it's just unbelievable. So my, my aunt, my granny's sister, <laughs> lived in Brooklyn. So I was 12, my sister was nine. And so this is my great aunt. Sometimes she write letters and or you know call, and we're still close with her. But she met us in Times Square, and you know, hey, so good to see y'all, so good to see y'all. And she she gives me and my sister each fifty dollars, and I was terrified. I put it in my pocket, but I immediately thought I was gonna get mugged because that's all yeah. I knew. I'm like, somebody's gonna jump out from behind a trash can and kill me and take this fifty dollars. I mean, I, that's, I was a nervous wreck till we got to the hotel. Everybody, everybody thinks New York City is exactly like uh, New Jack City from back in the day. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just a lot of people. That's all. It's just more people. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. So it was just, and just so much, so much stuff in such a small area and it just goes and goes and, and it's just... But I used to be like you, you know, you, you talked about want to live in a bigger city. I used to, you know, growing up, yeah, I want to grow up. I want to move to Atlanta. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Hawks fan. Got family here. Wanna, you know, visit Atlanta. And the older I got, I was like, no, it's, it's, it's too big. It's just too big. I just come to visit. And I'm, I agree with you 100% on that. That TV froze a little bit. Get him back. Froze up. We might have to jump back in, but uh, yeah, TB will hop right back in. 
little connection. But thanks again to Coach Mike Jones for hopping on. It was fun to talk like Bears basketball and little random stuff. Got you back, man. There we are. There we are. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of Field of Dreams here, so. <laughs> but I, I was just talking about I can relate to what you said about Chicago being too big. You know, we go visit our family in Atlanta. And when I was 8, 9, 10, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to move to Atlanta when I get grown. And then I was 17, 18, 20. I was like, this is this is too big. I just come down here and visit and stay a few days. But it's just it's the pace. It's just too fast. It's just too much hustle and work for me. Yeah, and it's different here because, you know, I'll be running errands and, and Des Moines is, you know, maybe three quarters, maybe half the size of Louisville. Mm. And and Kate will say, you know, that's all the way on the other side of town. I'm like, that's a 10 minute drive. Like, you know, in, in, in Louisville, out, out where I am out in Fern Creek, it's it's 15 minutes to downtown on the, on the highway. Right. Mm-hmm. If you go through town, that's 30, 35 minutes. So. Yeah. It's all about where you're from. Like a 15 minute drive, that's, you know, me going to the, uh, you know, the nice movie theater, you know, different things like that. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we go, we go. To, to Coach Sis, too. I got to get the link to him right quick. It's seven o'clock. I'm snuck up on me. Yeah, are we going we gonna to talk about the Super Bowl? Because I, like I like the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and man, uh, you know, Cincinnati improved a lot of people wrong, and, and maybe I sh- should uh, should can maybe believe in them, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna go with the Rams, and I'm gonna have to have Cincinnati prove me wrong again. Yeah, because with the the thing about the, and I, you'll probably get into more detail. The the Rams, uh, if you are gonna pass with Joe Burrow, if you're gonna drop back and pass. And the Titans got nine sacks on you, and the Chiefs knocked you around. Aaron Donald is a beast. The only reason that that San Francisco was able to win six straight against the Rams, we don't pass the ball like that. Mm. The 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 running game and the quick hit stuff, that's the that's the thing. Uh the the misdirection. Uh, and also to have a tight end like like Kittle and Jusick. To, to, to chip on him and do different mm-hmm. things. Uh, that's what Cincinnati's got to do. Because that, that was, even though uh, the Rams won uh, in the NFC Championship game, it wasn't like Aaron Donald went crazy. We lost that game because we didn't have, a, we got a mediocre quarterback. Right? <laughs> so, uh, but if you're going to just sit back there and pass, Aaron Donald going to have a field day. I, I was listening to, what was it? I think it was Jim Rohn. Carson Palmer was on there. Debo Samuel was on there too. And and Debo said that I gotta I gotta get back to uh improving my route running. He said when I moved to running back, I kind of slipped in my route running. So I gotta get back in the lab and and work on my route. So that's kind of a scary thought that, that he's gonna come back as a better route runner. But Carson Palmer talked about playing the Rams when he was with the Cardinals. And his, it was, as Aaron Donald's first couple years, and he said that they would run a play. His lineman would come back to the huddle, and he was telling them, "You look, we're well, block ninety nine And they were like, "Block ninety nine We can't even see him." Talking about how quick Aaron Donald is. His lineman, yeah. we can't, we can't block, we can't see. You know, yeah. and it's just it, a, a ridiculous how how quick he is. 
and, and that's the thing too my Niners and even Kentucky this year you know we talk about uh, the, the offense they don't shoot a lot of threes Kentucky doesn't but the offense is efficient because it's kind of the opposite of what everybody else is trying to do shoot all these threes and that's the way the 49ers offense is everybody else is dropping their quarterback back to pass and maybe <laughs> because we've had Jimmy G back there that Kyle Shanahan so we can't win that way and and win, win another route but that's how the 49ers have been successful and I think you alluded to it earlier Kentucky bringing in his offensive line coach, a guy that worked for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, that's a good thing because the 49ers, it's basically, you remember after Terrell Davis retired for the Broncos and they were just throwing dudes back there and getting a thousand yard seasons. And you're like, who are these running backs that are, you know, near the top of, of Russian? And it was really just a lot of scheme. Because remember, Raheem Mostert for the 49ers set a postseason rushing record in the NFC Championship game against the Packers. He hasn't been right since, and they've just been throwing dudes back there. Debo's been running. Elijah Mitchell was a a rookie running back this year. Uh, So it's a lot of scheme. It's a lot of uh, stuff that they do in the interior of the line. And if we can bring some of that uh, to Kentucky, watch out. Watch out. Chris Rodriguez is going to he won't just set the record. He may he may put the record out of reach for a while, which is crazy. Yeah, this record this record was older than us when Sonny Collins left, and now Benny broke it in our lifetime, and now C Rod three four years later is about to break it. Right, you know as long as he stays healthy, and and Yenzer you know leaves your Niners from Kentucky was an assistant under John Schlarman, so he really knows what the Big Blue Wall is all about. And we have our next guest right here who uh, would have already been on if I had sent the email like I was supposed to instead of sending a link to his DM. So that's my bad. We have, like we said, a coaches show. We already had Coach Mike Jones on from Harlan County. Now we have Coach David Sis. You can read him on Rivals with Justin Rowland and those guys. Covers recruiting for Kentucky and North Carolina. So the man is just full of knowledge, and he is kind enough to hop on here with us right now. Coach Fan, how you doing? Doing good, man. I've been accused of being full of it, but not knowledge. So. <laughs> well, man, we – well – Maybe you got us fooled. We think you're full of knowledge. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I was going to get up, man. As soon as I get on the show, the dog starts barking. But I think we'll get through it here. That's hey, the way it always works. Yeah. That's, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live kids, in. Kids, dogs, somebody else. I, I'm not going to say significant other, but, you know, I, I ain't She's trying to get on home. the couch. Okay. <laughs> now, it's me and the dog. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> We're glad to have you on, Coach. Absolutely. Well, good to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Absolutely. So what, just just your thoughts on, on everything you've seen from Kentucky, you know, did anything surprise you? Have they improved the way you thought they would? Just just your take on this season so far. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. When it started and the roster got built, I didn't think they were going to be a Final Four team. And the reason I said that, I was a little worried about just the athleticism overall. If you put... Um, 
I didn't know about Mintz and Kellen Grady being in together, if they would be athletic enough for, you know, big-time backcourts, but they have been, you know, and uh, I saw that at Alabama last week, live, and, you know, if you look what they've done against LSU, against Auburn, against big-time backcourts, they, they've proven they can play with anybody, and that was really the one concern that I had, and I don't, there's not a lot of others. The inside game's good, guard play's good, um, man, they can shoot the ball, they defend, they play hard, well coached. You know, it looks to me like it check all the boxes. That's what we were talking about earlier, TV. Just you know, yeah. When you, yeah, when you look at the recipe on how teams are going to be successful in March, do you have more than one primary ball, ball handler? I think we got two guys that can run yeah. run the offense. Do you have some shooters? Yeah. Can you rebound? Yeah. And, and what we've seen here the last uh, few road games, can you win playing different styles? Yeah. You know, can you win when things go awry? Like last night, South Carolina out-rebounds Kentucky, and it's still a comfortable game. Yeah. And and I, and I think having so those veterans really, really helps uh, with what Cal and the staff wants to do. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. And you see different players just like each time, it seems like. You know, at the four spot, if Keon's off a little bit, Keon's not been off much here lately. You know, you'll see Jacob Toppin come on, uh, and and you're just talking about depth at each spot. It it, it seems like there's always a player to step up, and that was the case earlier in the year. But now I've noticed it's more consistency now. And, you know, I I know what uh, Coach Cal after the game yesterday was talking about how consistent – Keon Brooks has been. How consistent? Kellen Grady. I mean, he really kind of called him Mr. Consistency. And, you know, all those guys. So you're, you're not seeing guys, you know, really have bad games. So, you know, that's big. When, when you get in to crunch time here late in the year and you got a bunch of guys you know you can count on, man, it makes you feel a lot better. Now, now taking a step back, Coach, since you do a lot of recruiting, and we all know what happened last year's team, right? That that was yeah. – and we kind of see the way Cal is doing his roster construction. Do you see this as, as a trend? Like this year we'll kind of see, you know, next year through the transfer portal, bring in a couple of elite freshmen. Is this the game plan that we'll see kind of away from the all-freshman teams we had earlier in Cal's run? I believe so. I mean, I, I think what you saw last year – coming in is what you're going to see this year you know um they, they, they've got more commits from uh, seniors you know with and i still call I, who knows what's going to happen with shannon sharp i mean we don't know but right now so you know he was in that 2022 class so you know they got four big time players out of that now it's three if sharp comes back i mean he was basically gonna be a freshman next year so you know that doesn't change anything. So my, I look at that, and I don't think they're quite as desperate next year as, as they were, you know, March first last year, trying to put together a roster. But um, I, I think you see that, especially in the post, man. It started with Reed Travis. I think he had great success there. Coach Cal liked it. You know, just in post plays a little bit different, man. You you gotta have a man's body in there. You can't come in as some skinny, 
kid out of high school, and I think Damian Collins is, is you know, is kind of proof of that. And he played really well against Alabama, but I mean, you just can't take the beating and play through that that you have to have. So you've got to be older and mature, and I, I think he'll continue to to add those, especially inside. I think we got spoiled because we had a run of freshman guys that had those man bodies. You know, Julius yeah. Rand, Demarcus Cousins, of course, ads in his own freak of nature category but uh anymore you like you said we we getting those older players to come in and kind of shore up the inside has proven to be pretty beneficial as oscar continues to lead the country and and rebounding which is ridiculous yeah and man i mean what a what a find you know to get him um and you know a, a Olivier Saar, I think Olivier Saar worked out. He'd have been on a better team. I mean, he wasn't going to carry a team, but, you know, I think he would have fit in well on a team with pieces. And, you know, I, I really feel good for guys like Tegon Mintz because of that team. I know I kind of changed the subject, but I'll get back. But, you know, I, I would have felt – he seems like a really good guy. I would have felt bad for him if that would have been his Kentucky experience. I, I'm really glad that he's enjoying – everything that goes with it this year, including success and full houses in, in, in Kentucky, you know, fans that are best. But uh, going back, yeah, I mean, with Oscar, um, and what a motor, you know, never slows down. Man, I, can you imagine having to play against him for 40 minutes? It and, doesn't seem fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take him out on the floor, I guess. But, um yeah, it, it's it's just been tremendous, and you know when they picked him up, and you started looking at those numbers, and you're like, my goodness, you know, he had some huge games, uh, not as consistent as what he's had at Kentucky, but he had some big ones, and I'm like, you know, you get that, and you look at Kellen Grady and how many points he had, and you start bringing some of these other, the Severe Willer led the SEC in assists, and if you look at coming in, even though there's probably things that they needed to work on as far as strengths coming in but you look at all of them and you're like man there, there's something that everybody on this team does really well and and the thing about oscar that i think was really highlighted last night he basically manufactured about three or four buckets for himself and a couple for other just by running rim to rim you know yeah. just by just by just hustling and and you got tie tie and severe with their heads up to advance the ball and so you gotta you gotta block this guy out, and then you gotta chase him down. The that just sounds like that doesn't sound like fun at all. <laughs> no, man, there's nothing fun about it. Uh, maybe for him, but you know he's got those quick feet when he walk. He doesn't take long steps. It's not really a stride. It's those short, choppy, quick steps, man. He's got really quick feet, and he, like you say, he sprints the floor. He's always on the rim run, yeah. and. Uh, that's what Cal wants. Cal says that's one of the most. I, I, I never will forget uh, when they were recruiting Omarui, and and I was speaking to his um, father. This has been about three or four years ago, it seems like. And he told me then. He said, "Here's what Calipari tells us. He's looking for a big man. Uh, rebound, run the floor, uh, be physical, rim protect, and and be really good in the pick and roll game." He never said anything about back to the bucket scoring. Never said a word about that. So Oscar's what he really likes, and the rim run was a big deal because you know he and it's led to a lot of rebounds too. Just not scoring on the break, but 
Yeah, he's he's really man. He's really got good feet. He's quick. I listened to uh, to Frank Martin's post game press conference last night, and and he was, you know, he he was composed, but he was disappointed, and he, he was still you know ticked off. But he he specifically mentioned that he said Oscar outran us down the court three or four yep. times, and he said. You know, some guys, you know, go for a block shot and leak out, and 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 then you know they get a run out. This guy is on the glass every time. So yeah. this guy isn't leaking out, and this guy is on the glass and still outran us three or four times. So he, he was, you know, he was ticked at their effort last night, but he was talking about he he's hitting the boards, he's leading around the country, and he still outran us down the court multiple times yeah. he hit on that he hit that hard in his post game press conference last night he was um uh you know at the alabama game you know he uh, betty Ocko's length gave him problems because you know oscar's probably about six eight and betty Ocko was seven footer with those long arms and and when he got the ball down on the block. You know, Oscar had trouble just getting through that length. And I noticed in that game, too, he really started running. And he said, all right, if I have that problem, I'm going to try to create some buckets on the sprint. And he does that a lot. And I think the point's well taken on rebounds. Because, like you say, he's the one getting the rebounds. So, in scheme of most secondary breaks, the guy who gets a rebounds to trail on secondary. And he ain't to trail. You know, he's, oh. he's getting the rebounds. And run into the block, into the front yeah. of the rim. So, uh, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, for sure. sure. Now, just tell us about your your coaching journey. You, you say you're a former EYBL Travelers coach. So, how did you how did you get started? How did you cut your teeth in coaching, coach? The uh, the guy who uh, ran at Charlie Benson, I was. Um, I grew up in the same hometown he was from, and I used to go, after I got out of high school, I, I'd go to games all the time, no matter where they were. So I couldn't get a date, so I went to the games on Saturday night, you know, or Friday night or whatever, and I'd be all over the place. And he'd be out recruiting players, you know, for his team. And everywhere he was at, he was, he'd see me. And uh, so, you know, and we knew each other, and he said, you may want to start uh, with us. and. At that time, you know, it was a lot of just scout work. And if you went to tournaments, you scouted other teams. And originally, there there wasn't much coaching to it. And he wanted to see really who would last. And he wanted to know what you could do. But if you were, if you could last and, were, you know, were a team player and, and willing to do some dirty work. And um, the first um, the first team that I was ever on the bench on, you know, I was just learning the ropes. I wasn't a head coach or anything close to that. Just, just uh, learning, like I said, was Ron Mercer's, uh, would have been his 16-year-old season. And uh, there were like 10 players on that team that went on and played Division One basketball. Um, Drew Maddox, you know, went to Vanderbilt. And there were a couple guys that went to Tennessee. And Shane Carnes went, or Jamichael Mills, rather, went to Providence. Uh, Brian Watkins went to Notre Dame and then ended up at Maryland. So, yeah, get you kind of spoiled and then you get into that and, you know I really got the recruiting bug my first time around and I'd never been away from the house and then all of a sudden you know obviously all those college coaches are around and man it's just crazy and 
you know, like I said, that's really kind of always had that bug. So, you know, about 20 years later, I kind of got my foot in the door at Rivals with that. So that, that's, that's been a thing. But, yeah, I've coached on and off, well, on, very off, very rarely since 1993. And from middle school to high school to NAIA level and, and, and everywhere in between. So what's the staples of a David Sisk coach team offensively, defensively? Depends who you talk to. If you probably talk to fans, parents, not much. But you know. <laughs> that's always the way, right? <laughs> Id, idiocy. Uh, it depends. I, I'll be honest with you. It, it, it depends on your talent, uh, on what you have. I, I just, I think, I, I think you obviously want to be fundamentally sound and defend and rebound and things like that, but. Like I said, I think it, it it depends on it depends what you have. And, you know, you, you you run different stuff, and, and I know I've changed over the years. I used to be all about defense, and and, and now it, it's it's more about scoring more. Um, um, off, I think kids want to play that way more. I think it's more enjoyable. I think what you ask kids to do in high school or middle school compared to on a high level AAU team or an AI team um, it, it, it's got to be a little different I think on that level and, and high school and things like that it's got to be more enjoyable for the kids uh, where you know if you're playing on EYBL it's a business and, and those kids are there to get scholarships um, it's a very important time of their life and you're looking at a high school thing and that may not be necessarily the situation um you know i know on our team we, we we're probably not won't have anybody to play college ball what we've got right now but you know you, you want that and it's hard because then you get into playing time and that's always the thing and you wish kids could play a lot of kids could all the kids could get playing time but it doesn't work that way in high school you've only got 160 minutes so you know calipari talks about that all the time you know, giving guys opportunities when they get it, they got to make the most of it. And, you know, they're getting somebody else's time when they get those opportunities. So it's not always, uh, it's not always an easy thing. So, uh, but just, um, like I said, just, just the fundamental, and more than anything, just compete. And you want your kids to play hard and uh, uh, take pride in what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, everybody, y'all can follow Coach Sisk on Twitter, at Coach David Sisk. And that profile picture, Coach, we talked about significant others. Terry's significant other is a huge Cubs fan. And your profile pic, I see you in a Cubs hat at Wrigley Field getting a pick with the great Tommy Lasorda, man. Tell us about that. That is a heck of a story. My 50th birthday, my wife got me it was kind of a bucket list to go to Wrigley Field so um, the night before there uh, the, the the Cavaliers were playing uh, Gold State it would have been 2016 in the NBA championship and we went over to that bar to watch the game and the hitting the coach for the Cubs and I didn't even know he was is John Malee and so I'm going to the bathroom and he says, nice hat, cap. No, I got a cup cap on. So he asked me, um, 
if, if this was if I came to the games where I was from and all that and I told him I was from a Nashville area and you know I was this was a bucket list first time I'd ever been he said bucket list huh he said so you've never been here I said no he said so this is what you wanted for your 50th birthday and I said yeah he said I'm gonna go to the bathroom I'll be right back so he comes back and he says give me your phone I'm like what and he's he says, give me your phone. So he gives me your phone. And, and while he was gone, he had a, I guess his wife, his girlfriend, whatever. She was a smoke show, man. So anyway, I <laughs> asked her, and I'm like, uh, he must, he had said, I went to Nashville. I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago speaking at this convention. And there was a couple thousand people there. And I said to her, she must, he must be an important guy. What's he do? He said, oh, he's the hitting coach for the Cubs. So I didn't know who he was. I Google hitting coach for the Cubs, get the pitcher, and it's him. So he comes back. He says, give me your phone. I'm like, what? Give me your phone. So I give him the phone. He puts in his, he, he texts his phone. And he said, see, this is my phone number. This is no trick. He said, how would you like to get on, on the field tomorrow? And I said, that'd be great. He said, how many people you got? I said, me, my brother-in-law. And at that time, my brother-in-law's daughter and husband lived on Waveland. So there's four of them. And he said, I'm going to call you in the morning. The only way you can screw this up is not call me in the morning at 8 o'clock. And I'll tell you where to be. So I call him at 8. He tells us to be at gate such and such at 11 o'clock. It's like a 1 o'clock, 35, 1 o'clock, whatever. First pitch. So we go to the gate, get on the field. And so we're back. We're, we're gone on the field, behind home plate and all that. And, and – I'm looking around, and here comes this old guy, Nurhepity, down the steps. And at that time, I'm going, man, that guy must love baseball because he ain't gonna make it. So he, you know, he, he's on his last leg. And I, I look, and they get closer, and I said, "That's Tommy Lasorda." <laughs> and they bring him down to the field, like behind home plate, open this little gate up, and I'm standing there, and they sit him down right beside me on a stool. So I'm, I'm like, man, this is Tommy Lasorda. So I, I kind of say, hey, Mr. Lasorda, I said, you know something? My dad is a huge Dodgers fan, and he's your age. And he's in a nursing home now. And he tells me that Sandy Koufax is the greatest pitcher that ever played. And he raised up. Man, you could see that fire in his eyes. And he looked at me, and he poked me in the chest with two fingers and he said you tell your dad he knows his baseball and man he got fired up so these little kids two little kids come over and they want their picture taken with him or I want an autograph rather for a baseball and they said can we have your autograph and he says what do you ask somebody that you want them to do something nice when you want them to do something nice for you and they said please he said don't ever forget that so he signs and he gives them back to them they kind of stand there and he says what do you say when somebody does do something nice for you. And they said, thank you. And he said, don't you ever forget that. I'm like, man, he's 90 years old. He's still coaching. So, you know, that was uh, that was incredible um, experience. And I also oh, got to see Mike Dickens later that day at Dickens. He was totally different. He was an ornery man. And I would have been disappointed. But everything you think he was going to be, he was. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a trip to Chicago. Goodness gracious. 
unbelievable. It was incredible. We went to Ditka's and I told him, I said, the only thing could make this any better is we met Mike Ditka. And I had to come in on my mouth like 10 minutes. And this lady comes running into the table and she's dropping F-bombs left and right. Her husband, she goes, Mike Ditka's at the F in front door, you know? And uh, I ran over with my brother-in-law to get to him. You know, so it, it wasn't. And I said, could we um, get our picture taken with you? And he, he was like, oh, God. He said, I you know, it's past my bedtime, I guess. So and he grabbed us and put his arms around him. And he had some mitts, man. He was strong. He put put his arms around us. And I, uh, I got to get somebody to take our picture. And he's like, oh, God. You know, and he, 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 he there were no warm and fuzzies on him. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect it. it you know, I wouldn't expect it out. Man, do you do you always just speak stuff into existence like that? Well, I wish Mike Dicker was here. Boom, there's Mike Dicker. Does this happen all the time, Coach? I can't. My brother-in-law said that I'd sold my soul, you know, on the trip <laughs> because man, it just I, you just can't believe it. It's just like everything fell in our lap. You know, it's never happened before or since, but. It, it, it was unbelievable, it, it, you know, getting that and seeing my dick, it, it was something else. Unbelievable, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us and dropping all the Kentucky knowledge and telling us how you got started in coaching and, and taking time out of this hectic time that's going on right now with, with you know, covering Carolina and covering Kentucky and everything you do this time of year, especially. Appreciate you taking time to hop on here with us and, and love to have you on again down the road, man. This was a blast. Well, hey, you just let me know when. I appreciate you guys having me, man. I know y'all do a great job, so, man. I'm just flattered that you guys would ask me, and means a lot. And you know, hopefully, here things will slow down. We're we're starting. Uh, we got another game Friday, so we've had three games a week for the last two weeks, and then we're getting ready to start postseason play next Tuesday. So you know, and then you you got to do the Carolina. You know, you slammed right now but it'll be okay. So, yeah, when it slows down, man, be happy to. Hey, thank right. you so much. Have thank you, Coach. Have a good evening, Coach. And, and yes, go Cubs, go. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> All right, take care. Coach David Sis, check him out at Rivals, at Coach David Sis on Twitter. We got Cub stories. Common Lasorda stories, Mike Dicker stories, all kind of stuff. The coaches show turned out good, TV. It certainly did. It certainly did. We get a little Cub stuff that'll make the uh, that'll make the missus happy. You know, we are diehard uh, Cubs over here. Uh, Got to ask uh, Coach next time if he had uh, some of the Malort, that is a, a a beverage that they have around there and uh, uh, around the uh, all the bars around. Uh, uh, Wrigley Field I had some. It tastes like kerosene, but apparently it's a Chicago, Chicago, yeah, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago thing. So we're hope hopefully this year we'll be able to go to some Cubs games. We haven't been, you know, since before the end times. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can go back uh, and do that because yeah, we are we are diehard uh, we are diehard uh, Cubs family here. Were you one and done on the sips of Malort? Was that just one sip is all it took? Or you, did you I just had a sip. And... I just had a sip. 
but apparently they these people drink it like it. See, that's the thing, man. So the the Midwest, right, is different. It the upper Midwest, it gets cold here. The wind is cold. So I used to make fun of that Chicago pizza because to me that's kind of a pizza cake because it's thick and it's. But you need something hearty when it's minus thirty wind chill. Like you need something that sticks to your bones. Uh, so the stuff they drink is 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 not. It's not like bourbon where you can sip, right? You know, Kentucky, you got your sipping bourbons. They don't sip. If they're going to drink, they need something to, to kick in right now. And Malort is that. It is yeah. it is strong. It is powerful. It it, it, it kind of slaps you across the face. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and I don't know what that is. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard of that. So you just, just learned something tonight for sure. Malort, it, I never knew. And, that, and that's so crazy, you know. Before the end times, uh, my intention was to propose to Kate at uh, in Chicago at Wrigley Field, mm-hmm. not on the jumbotron, but it, it, but it, you know, the world got you know pretty much it was you know Kentucky beat Florida, yep. you know at Florida, like awesome, and she's planning to go to the Cubs home opener with some friends, so I'm got her friends on the line, you know. Where are you going to be? Because the gift from Louisville, Chicago was only like 70 bucks, right? So I was going to be like in the movies. I was going to fly in, you know, text message and meet up. But, you know, kind of when the world stopped, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. But luckily she still said yes. So there you go. <laughs> still all worked out in the end. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And if I'd done it uh, that uh, you know, at, at Wrigley Field, then it probably wouldn't have... Uh, the tweet probably wouldn't have blown up like it did. So that's true. Man. So it, yeah. So we uh we was talking Super Bowl. We got the coaches show in. We talked to cats. We talked about your Niners losing the offensive line coach to Kentucky. Zach Yenzer, Kentucky guy coming in, and you know Eric, Eric Wolford, who I guess did a good job coaching, but kind of nuked the bridge on the way out and. You know, we just left for Alabama and, and just you know ghosted the cats and coach troops and everything, which was you know like I said like you saw my tweet like my granddaddy said ain't no need to be low down and that was kind of low down the way he exited to yeah, go to Alabama. If, if you're gonna leave, leave. That that's 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 the that's the way it should be. Look, you know, uh, people change jobs, uh, people change spouses. Like you know, but there's a there's a way you can you can do all those things and kind of mitigate things. So, yeah, uh, you learn more about a person at the end of something than yeah. than you really do at the beginning. That's How people true. end things usually is more indicative of who they are. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to just pile on and all this kind of stuff. That's for that's for everybody. How you leave is 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 kind of how you are. Kind of like how James Harden left the Rockets. Like. Yeah. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. But you ain't got you ain't got to do all this. Yes, and, and things are going real well for Brooklyn right now. Was it eight, nine, ten games in a row they lost, and they, they just, were at the top of the East, and now they're sinking towards the bottom of the East. The 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 playing game, man. Like, look, and so that's my whole point. Because look, Lake, Lakers are going to get the the headlines. I'm 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 fine with that. But again, you look at what Brooklyn on paper. When they 
signed uh, when they signed KD and they got Kyrie and they finagled to to get Harden, you're thinking, oh wow, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a a big three that's it's better than Boston's big three, probably better than uh, the Miami big three, mm-hmm. if if we're if we're being honest, and they got the coach just, they wanted, they wanted Steve Nash, they got Steve Nash. And it just didn't work. So uh, that's why I always point out to folks, the LeBron experiment in Los Angeles worked. It is. And, and people try to put an asterisk, it's bubble, the bubble championship, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> whatever. The, the the banner's still good. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can go back. And, and that's, I think I said this at the time, you can look at just about every championship and, and uh, team and say, and, and give a reason why that team's no good or why that banner isn't as good as another banner. It, it's a championship banner. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like your Rockets, those two back to back, there's no asterisk that says, well, MJ wasn't playing like that. Or, you know, the one year they were a six seed. It doesn't matter. It, you know, you, you get a few years removed. It doesn't matter. So with the Lakers right now, Again, I think I said before the season, I don't know how this is going to go. But that's a lot of old guys. And they play old. Yeah. And that's not the way the league is going right now. Now, uh, can it be fixed? I mean, you got to get rid of Russ. And I, I don't know what podcast or where I, I... But this is a very valid point, is Russ was one of those dudes who was just physically gifted. And I think that stunted his, he never made that transition from what do you do when you're no longer the most athletic person on the court? Because Russ is still going as fast as he can mm-hmm. at the rim, but he's shooting, he had a stretch 30%, 30% on layups. How was that even possible? <laughs> like, it's three-point shot, whatever. Again, I think we talked before. How do you go from the left side, shoot a shot, it hits on the right side of the backboard, and nothing else? I don't even know the physics behind that. But Russ does it. But he makes up for it with ex- explosiveness. But if he doesn't have that explosiveness, how does he make that transition? And, and, and we see that with physical guys. How do you make that transition? Right, you and I are old enough to remember when Jordan was just coming through everybody, right? Coming through the paint, and then you match up against Detroit. You understand coming through the paint and in high flying that opens you up. That opens up the ribs. That opens up everything, <laughs> and so you develop that that his his post moves, his 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 that mid range game that people don't like. Yeah, which don't get me started about that. I love the mid range. I refuse to live in a world where Kim Olajuwon from 12 to 15 feet is considered bad basketball. I refuse to live in that world. Uh, that that 90s uh, account I follow on Twitter just broke down. It was uh, Jordan against the Knicks in 96, I think. And it's just, I tweeted about it because it was so beautiful. Economy of movement. Yeah. Every, every footstep, every shoulder, every hip movement, you can defend the first move or the second move, but move three and four gonna get you. Yep. I, I, 
I don't want to live in a world where that's bad basketball. And I, and, and the thing is, I, I get into it with people, the, the, you shoot the three or layup. Who wins like that? Nobody wins like that. The teams that win all levels of basketball are successful in the mid-range. You've got to be able to shoot the three, shoot the mid-range, get to the rim. Period. Well, Steph and Clay, yeah, they shoot a lot because they're the two of the best shooters ever. But with you got Draymond and they had uh, Sean Livingston, they had Andre Godal, they had dudes that could work the mid range. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Stephen Clay can too. Yeah, you know <laughs> Steph can get to his spots. And I'm like, what championship teams, particularly in the NBA, have you seen shoot all these threes and win? I'm not rubbing salt in your wound, but the Rockets threes or layups that ain't hitting. Didn't do it. That, that that's not hitting. And you know, Sean Vinsel, we had on, brought up uh, the the Suns. I'm like, well, what did they win? The Suns didn't win. <laughs> yeah. When 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 the role players stopped shooting those threes, that was a wrap. It was Kobe and T Mac were on the jump, <laughs> and they said, you know, he's never gonna win a championship that way. Never. never no, no, that man. way. <laughs> and, and that's what I mean because. You can put Giannis, you know, at the top of the key or, you know, the free throw line, and he could work. It ain't pretty. Like, uh, I, I watched Beef uh, Harden and Giannis on Secret Base on YouTube. That was pretty funny, you know, when Harden's like, all he's got to do, you know, he's just big and he's got no skill. I, I love the Beef episodes, but he can work the mid range game. And I know they won a championship with just Steph and they went 73 and 9 but it wasn't until they got KD who can get any shot he wants that the the, uh, the Warriors became unfair mm-hmm. so I, I, I get it you know the long two like Keon Brooks he's taking a shot he's comfortable with I would mm-hmm. rather have a guy taking a shot he's comfortable with than taking a step back on a shot he's not comfortable with yeah yeah. And and you can't argue with it because the offense is top five in efficiency. Mm-hmm. Well, if they shoot more threes, they don't need to shoot more threes. They blew Kansas out, and I think they only hit like four or five threes the whole game. Like th- there's other ways to do it. That is my one knock when it comes to analytics is it leads to everybody playing the same mm-hmm. and doing very similar things. And sometimes you don't, as, as Coach says, but sometimes you don't have the personnel for that. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, you know, it would be criminal for this Kentucky team to be shooting 33s a game. That's coaching malfeasance. That's not that you don't have the squad for that. So you have to find a way for your team to win. So, and again, like I talked about my 49ers, if you've got Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, even the biggest Jimmy fans will tell you, he doesn't need to be throwing the ball 45 times. Like, <laughs> if he <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy just back there just ripping him off. Yeah. If he's throwing it 40 times, what what else has gone wrong? Are there no running backs? Like, what are we doing? Uh-huh. If, if that's the case. And I would, you know, I honestly think more teams 
should do that. There's only about two or three quarterbacks at any given time that should be throwing it 40 times a game. In general, Patrick Mahomes, maybe put Josh Allen in that category. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm missing some dudes. Maybe the Herbert kid in San Diego. Right. That's about, yeah, that's about it, though. I, I would not ask Dak to throw the ball 45 times. I don't want that either. I don't, you know. Because, you know, you so everybody starts playing like, oh, you know, with the, these passing things, if you're not built for that, Humble yourself, and that's the one thing I do like about Kyle Shanahan is with the running attack is humble yourself, and if you know Jimmy G ain't that guy, then put him in a position to win and be successful. That, that now, that's my two cents. Now we we talked about Yenzer leaving. The offensive coordinator with Mike McDaniel is also going to Miami, so is. Shanahan just gonna call the plays next year? Is it gonna affect anything that the Niners do? Or are they still gonna pretty much be the same thing? Except it'll be what's his name, Trey Lance. It's, Trey, it, it'll, it'll, it's the it's the Trey Lance show. Uh, I, I think Kyle Shanahan, uh, he's he's good schematically, and that's that's what I'm talking about. Like he, he looked and saw what he had and what he could do, and. Now, he's got some questions to answer, too. Because from the Super Bowl, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for 28-3, to right? Uh, the Super Bowl with the Niners, I'm a cry, uh, being up 10 points with six minutes left and losing by two scores, that's on your resume, right? And, you know, in being up at the beginning, it was, what, 13-3? to three? I whatever it was for this NFC championship game. Yeah. Yeah. So not being able to close those games, he's got, he's got to figure that out. Right. But I don't see any reason why the 49ers can't run it back. I mean, I don't know who they're losing, all this kind of stuff, but if Trey Lance is just decent, that's an upgrade. And I love Jimmy. He, he, he made some plays. He did, but the consistency wasn't there. And for everybody, every everybody loves him. Like I was, I listened to, like I said, I listened to Jim Rome. He's at Radio Row. He's talking to everybody. He had, like I said, had Debo on, and he had your rookie running back. Was it Mitchell? Yeah, to, yeah, so Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, he loved Jimmy. He played hurt. He had the shoulder. He had the thumb, and you know, and we know what he's been through. And he's still just, you know. At, it's like the dude is a likable guy. Like everybody, he doesn't got a bad word to say, but then he goes out and, you know, basically on his, on his, falling on his face through that pass, you know. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's the thing, that's the thing about, you know, when people were defending Jimmy G, it's, it's not just that he went, you know, and Mina Kimes is great. And I'm not Jeff Garcia going to come after her and other people that called him sorry. But I think there is something too. We believe in this guy enough that even if he throws the ball with his eyes closed, we can still get this done. I, I, I just think I, I always thought there was something to that. Like he's only going to pass the ball eight times this whole game. Like <laughs> you better be run the wing T. And it's not. <laughs> It's not 
50 below like it was when the Patriots played at Buffalo and, and it was a 50 mile an hour win. And no, it was at home. It was a it was a great it was a great it was a great day. So it ain't, if the game because of the weather that you only throw it eight times. No. <laughs> Look, I tried defending that in my mind as much as I could, but no. No, if you don't want your quarterback to throw it 40, 45 times. You can't have Matt there throwing eight. That says that says a, a lot. And I know that Niners ran all over the Packers that day, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl. I, I go. I'm going with the Rams and the NFC. I hope it's a good game because uh, if you look back, a lot of those games, like when you and I were growing up, they weren't very good. Mm-hmm. Like the NFL, for all of its faults, and it has a lot. The Brian Flores. Uh, lawsuit being the the latest whatever's going on in Washington with the commanders and I can't believe we didn't talk about that last week but you know look the the people finding out the day before what the name is look the name is the name and and, and I'm not going to be one of these people well, that's a dumb name there are a lot of dumb names in sports that don't work the Los Angeles Lakers should have left that name in Minneapolis right the Utah Jazz ain't nothing jazzy about Utah like you know, and then you look at Philadelphia Phillies. What is that? New York Knickerbockers. What? New York Metropolitans. What? Like, so I, the, the the tagline, the name, whatever. But that I'm, franchise. I'm, I'm making fun of it, though, because I mean, but I'm a Cowboys fan, now, so I'm going to clown it, though. But I agree I mean, with what you're saying. Well, I, 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 the I only ones, but I'm still going to clown the commanders. And that little take command hashtag. Somebody need to take command of that franchise because we've seen what Daniel Snyder been doing. Oh yeah, he's, 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 he's it's it's a and that's the thing is the in franchise they were the best of the best growing up, Super Bowls and Hall of Fame and just all that kind of stuff. And I do like how you're being petty because there's 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 very little petty that is uh, equal to NFC East or <laughs> NL Central. <laughs> I love it. Eagles fans, everybody just hating on it. And, and, and like when the Eagles won, finally won the Super Bowl, you're like, oh, that's something I can't say. The Giants fans say the same thing. So it's just, it's just petty on top of petty on top of petty. Because in the in the uh, NFC West, look, man, the, 40, the the 49ers fans is like this. Y'all ain't got it like we got. Y'all like, like the make man out there. Y'all just sit around and every time they win another bit. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, the, oh, all you new money people, you know, the Rams, they going for number two. Well, we got number two in 1984, right? You know, like, come on, man. Oh, Seattle, you just got the one? Oh, that's a lonely trophy, right? A lonely trophy. And the Cardinals, y'all the Cardinals. But by the same token, they've all been to the Super Bowl here in the last few years. So yeah. and um, they were just the Cardinals when they was in the NFC East with us. Uh, it's just the Cardinals. And they, yeah, it's just the Cardinals. <laughs> when, when the geographically, at least geographically correct now. <laughs> yeah. When the when the highlight of your Cardinals franchise for the last, you know, 20 years, 30 years has been our main man, uh, Jerry Maguire. You know, that's that's <laughs> That, that, that's other, dope. The other one was probably that James Harrison interception against them when they was about to score, and he had that 160 yeah. yard interception that broke their back. Yeah, and yeah. Then Antonio Holmes play. You know they would they they almost had one. But... Almost, almost. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm going with the Rams. Hopefully, it's a good game. It, you know, it doesn't doesn't make me uh, doesn't make me any difference on who really who wins. Um, a lot of Kentucky fans are Cincinnati fans, so you know, good good for them. But yeah. I'm never going to be pro Bengals or pro anything Cincinnati. No, and and the Bengals they might prove me wrong again. They they've done it all postseason. You know, because I, I didn't think there's no way they're going to beat the Chiefs. Man. They beat the Chiefs. You know, they're probably not going to beat the Titans. Well, they beat the Titans. I'm, I don't think they're going to beat the Rams. And we might be talking about them next week beating the Rams. But yeah. I just, Joe Burrow, uh, he's a tough dude. But, you know, Von Miller and Aaron Donald, I think he's going to see a lot of them Sunday. Unless he takes those zero-step drops where he don't even, he don't even take a drop. Just, <laughs> Well, and, and let me just say this: When it comes to our sports figures, we need to retire nicknames and not use them. Like Ladanian Thompson, they tried to make him LT. No, Mm-mm. and I'm saying that to say Joe Burrow, player, but no, Joe Burrow is not Joe Cool. Mm. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Joe Montana became Joe Cool because he won four Super Bowls, never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. That's Joe Cool. Am I old and grouchy about that? Yes. He ain't Joe Cool yet. He really went to LSU. That's not the NFL. And yes, he's shown some promise, but it's going to take a lot to unseat Joe Cool. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. And if he if he does go title LSU, Heisman Trophy, and Super Bowl in year two, now, like, you know, I, I'm going to be like, I'm going to give him his props because that's... That's a big real trifecta in a couple years that nobody has, has pulled off. He, he a bad boy already, but if he if he comes back and, and does it Sunday, man. That that's rarefied air, but uh, I'm gonna I'm, in their in their own stadium to do it too. Ew. Now let's be that's a factoid. I, I know everybody, well, you know, nobody's ever because they used to give the Super Bowl to sorry franchises and to places that didn't even have a team. Yeah. You know that that's the thing too. It once the NFL probably about ten years ago, if you build a new stadium, you get a Super Bowl. So that changed that, and I, and I get that that's a little factoid. You know, Tampa won in Tampa Bay, but there are a lot of Super Bowls in Tampa Bay, and they were terrible. Yeah. A lot of Super Bowls in the Super Bowl Superdome in New Orleans. A lot of Super Do- uh, Bowls out in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl. Anyway, have NFL team. You know, a lot of Super Bowls in Joe Robbie Stadium when the Dolphins were terrible. Yeah. So, the Silverdome. You know, didn't, didn't y'all win one in the Silverdome? Y'all beat the Bengals in the Silverdome? We built the Bengals in the Superdome uh, in 82, yeah. In Detroit, yeah. 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 So, but, and, and on the flip side, though, Levi Stadium and AT&T Stadium have both hosted and, and neither one of our teams were able to make it and you, you hope they are able to you know love to see the Cowboys play it in Dallas I know you would have loved to see your Niners play it in the new Levi's Stadium and they, it, they, they didn't so they yeah. were picked you know they picked Levi's Stadium to be the site and it was right at the tail end of uh, Harbaugh's run because yeah. if they'd have kept it going they might have been able to, to pull that off but uh you know, just to, and look, I know with COVID, we're probably not having Super Bowl parties. I'm never going to Super Party with people like, I'm just here for the commercials. Then go watch them by yourself. Right? That, that doesn't make you cool. 
like, oh, this is a foosball game? Like, all right, you you made your point. Like, <laughs> come on. Which is why when the Niners are in it, I don't before COVID, I wouldn't go to any place. Because I'd fist fight somebody. I'm trying to watch my team Zoo Bowl, and you talking about, look at this commercial. I ain't worried about the commercial. No. I tell you what I am worried about was going to be exciting. The halftime show. Oh, yeah. It's it's for us, baby. Give me me some Snoop. My dad used to say Snoop-a-loop. Give me some Snoop (laughs) and some Dre and some Mary J. Blige. Mm -hmm. And Eminem will be there. I'm not the biggest Eminem fan because a lot of his songs sound samey to me. Mm. But uh, Kendrick Lamar for the youth. But Mm -hmm. G-Funk. Super Bowl to quote Bomani Jones, this is the uh, HBCU of Super Bowls. We coming for the halftime show. This is the halftime show I'm excited about. Prince was great when he did it. I can't remember being any more hyped up for a Super Bowl than this. You know, Bruno Mars did it one year and Katy Perry. They nice. But we get to see Snoop uh, sea walk across the stage (laughs) at the Super Bowl. In city. It, talking about gin and juice throwing up his gang sign America baby look yeah. all you got to do is just stay around because I remember when Snoop was dangerous he was on trial for murder like his, his but the thing is Snoop never changed everything just changed around him now he's with Martha Stewart now he's all this I remember when the police was going to come after uh, Ice-T now he's been playing a, a policeman on TV for 20 years yeah yeah like mm-hmm. you know, Ice Cube, you know, uh, death certificate, and America's Most Wanted. Now he, where the kid? Yo, are we there yet? Yeah. Being Tutu Ola. That's how. Yeah. Now, yeah. Man. But the, the, the halftime show. Let me tell you something. As soon as I hear that, ding, 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 oh, they need to have holographic uh, 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 Nate Dog up there. Oh, oh. So nobody do hooks oh. except Nate Dog. Like oh, I said, his no. now his whole album, I'm like, it's just a bunch of hooks. But when he come on there, hold up. Wait, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> and another thing, I'm gonna Best need these, rapper of all time. I'ma need these kids that was born in 98, 99. I'm ready for these jams. No, son. It's like when I would put on the Al Green, I'd be like, I like this. And my parents would be like, you don't know nothing about that. I'm saying to these kids, you don't know you wasn't in the streets when Dr. Dre was doing it. You wasn't you wasn't sitting there when the Chronic 2001 came out. You went in the streets. You went in the club. <laughs> when we forgot about Dre, we like we almost did forget about Dre. Like you wasn't in, you wasn't in the club. <laughs> you wasn't rolling down the street. You wasn't talking. I saw somebody, some young kid, murder was a case. You wasn't there when Snoop was at the award show and the wheelchair and murder was a case. The police was outside. You, I lived through the East Coast, West Coast beef. Yeah. You wasn't here on these streets. You had to choose. It was different. I was a no limit soldier back then. See, got me all, got me all, got me all fired up for the for the halftime show. But this is this is for the old heads, man. This is this is this is this is something good, man. We might do like Bomani. We might talk about the game for three minutes and talk about the halftime show for an hour and a half. I'm, week. I'm, I'm watching it, man, because when the Niners played the uh, uh, the Ravens Baltimore. in the Super Bowl, they came out, you know, to California love. Mm-hmm. They did the, 
you know, they do a little video montage, you know, we're here to win it and all this kind of stuff. But they came out to California. Poor. I was like, oh, we got to win. I mean, we didn't, yeah. but I was like, oh, snap. California love. They showed the gold helmets. I was like, oh, man. But uh, real quick, before I forget, we ran out of town. I went to the uh, Missouri Valley matchup between Drake and uh, Northern Iowa. Uh, intense. Went to overtime. Great, great atmosphere. I'm I'm loving it. Adam uh, Jacoby on the show was nice enough to take me. Uh, had a great time. We are actually going to go in a couple of weeks to uh, Iowa City to watch Caitlin Clark, who has been on a show, triple double. Like she is Kentucky fans. We know she put the women, our women out last year of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of a one woman show. So we're going to we're going to catch that, uh, I believe, on the 27th. Uh, we're gonna go and, and, and check her out. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be. So what's this? A couple hours away where I was at. Uh, it, it, it's a it's it's about eighty miles. Oh, okay. When I was coming back and forth, uh, I was see it's about it's about you know an hour and a half, give or take, uh, to, to get there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to go to Carver uh, Hawkeye Arena because uh, I've never been. Mm-hmm. Wanted to go to a wrestling match, but man, those tickets is tough. Cause Are they really? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I was wrestling program. That's twenty four time national champions, man. Like mm. as we do basketball in Kentucky, wrestling is a thing here. Mm. It, it is the thing. Man. Yeah, they, yeah. They won last year's championship. They yeah. They at one point I think they won like fifteen in a row or something like that. And Iowa State has won eight national champions. Like. 32 national championships between the two of them. Ooh. That is ridiculous. Ooh, goodness gracious. Yeah, they take it Ooh. serious. So I'm I'm excited about that. I've not been on Iowa's uh campus. So, you know, I'd like to I'd like to check that out and mm-hmm. you know, see where AC Earl played and BJ Armstrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about AC. <laughs> yeah. And, and old Bruce Pearl was on staff. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, man. That, that, he was on the Iowa staff. That was when he first got in trouble uh, trying to put some put some stuff on to uh, Illinois during recruitment. Oh, right. Yeah, he was the assistant at Iowa, and they was like, "Oh yeah, you on your own." That's when he ended up in a southern yeah. Indiana, southern Illinois, southern Indiana, southern Indiana. Yeah, he, he kind of got. Then he went to some place in Milwaukee and, and all that ooh. kind of stuff. But uh, so yeah, go check that out. Should 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 be fun. Uh, but in a they, couple uh, weeks. speaking of Auburn, they, you know, they, they beat Kentucky. Give them credit. You know, Kentucky lost their backcourt, but Auburn, you can look at it two ways. You know, Auburn fans were probably thinking, "Yo, we we finding ways to win. We found a way to win in Missouri. We found a way to win uh, against Georgia. Georgia." And or you can look at it, maybe they peak too soon. Maybe they're vulnerable. Maybe they're starting to stumble down the stretch. Because w- when you look at the standards now, Kentucky's only one game behind Auburn, and Auburn's schedule is easy. But they're, they're 10-1. Kentucky's 9-2. And, and, you know, it's we could, you know, it seemed like they were just give them the regular season title because they're not going to lose another game because they're putting all these easy teams, and now they're looking a little, little shaky down there. The the when I saw the quote from Bruce Pearl that said basically being number one has become a burden. 
because you get you get everybody's best shot or something to that effect. I forget the exact verbiage. That's a wrap, man. Like, you know, as, as we talk about, you know, the blue blood programs last year, as bad as Kentucky was, it still meant something for those teams to beat Kentucky. Yeah. And that to me is, is blue blood stat. We've been getting everybody's best shot for 80 years. Yeah. Like Kevin Duckworth said, I don't care if the Lakers got a bunch of grandmas and five year olds out there on the court. We want to beat the Lakers, <laughs> right? When we was putting out Robert Sacre and, and Tariq Black and uh, <laughs> uh, that that roster when Turioff on that squad, Ronnie, yeah, Ronnie Turioff and and uh, oh, had the tall kid from Duke on it. Like beating beating LA means something. It 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 does. Uh, so. I don't know. What to t- and, and every time people try to say, oh, you know, Kentucky, whatever. I listened to Bobby Portis on a podcast and somebody brought up him playing against Kentucky. He's like, no, I went two and two. Now he in the NBA. He's an NBA champion. And he wanted to let folks know he went 500 playing against Kentucky. Just like Ray Mears. Oh. And, you <laughs> know, Again, I go back to the, all the documentaries, uh, the Nolan Richardson 40-minute of hell. Uh, when they beat Kentucky in Rupp Arena, he said it. Coles Williamson said it. They said, oh, we're good enough to win the whole thing if we can do that. The Fab mm-hmm. Five documentary, Jiggle and Rose and those guys said they overlooked North Carolina the title game. They thought it was a foregone conclusion. But why? Because they had beaten Jamal Mashburn in Kentucky in the national semifinal. Kentucky's always the measuring stick. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get everybody's best. Right now, there's some dude that played at VMI that's telling people, you know, I beat Kentucky Rupp Arena. And people are like, you lying, and he's Googling it right now. Pull up those dudes at Robert Morris. Or, you know, all those, San, was it uh, San Diego? Who, one of them yeah, teams, yeah. the Billy yeah. G, like, like, you beat Kentucky? Like, the Crispin brothers, they coasted off that 10 for 15 three-point performance forever. Uh, I I saw one or both of them on the Big Ten Network. Like, come on now. (laughs) We've been getting everybody's best shot since your granddaddy was born. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and and the thing is, I've never heard a Kentucky coach use it as an excuse. Now, Cal says we're everybody's Super Bowl, and that's true because it's always giveaway night. It's always something when Mm -hmm. Kentucky comes to town. Uh, you know, because uh, some Auburn fan was talking about the tickets to go to Bud Walton for last night's game, Arkansas and uh, Auburn was one price, and Kentucky and South Carolina was another price. Oh, okay, but it's, like I said at the top, Kentucky was on ESPN the one, Auburn was on ESPN the deuce. Yeah, that was dumb anyway. See what the price for what Kentucky and Auburn both play at Bud Walton. So what was the price for y'all last night? What would be the price for us in a couple of weeks? That's that's it, your comparison. It, it's it's already higher. It's already <laughs> higher. Like you, if you said you had a hundred dollars to spend on a ticket, you would have been better to go to last night's game than Kentucky's game. You would have got like, and it's only you know if things progress as we feel, it's only going to get better. It's like. Look, man, Auburn, you're good now. 
great. Happy for you. You've been number one for three weeks. Kentucky's been number one for 157 weeks. Ew. That's three and, plus years. And and the thing yeah. about that is people need to keep in mind the 96 team wasn't ranked number one except for the very first week. <laughs> that team wasn't ranked number one. Yeah. The best team I've ever seen in my, in my uh, lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's a different level. It's a different level. And I'm happy for these teams that just, you're good now. Great. But these SEC teams, well, if you look over the past three games, we've outscored Kentucky in three consecutive quarters. So we three and three. We're blue blue. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Auburn. Well, we're, we're, we're three and five against you in the last couple of years. Auburn won once between 1990 and 2015. And that was that 98 team with, uh, oh, I can see the guy on the Sports Illustrated cover. One time in a quarter century. Cissé? Cissé was Ole Miss. Chris, oh, it was Chris something. Chris it'll come. It'll Chris come. Porter, but yeah. anyway, Chris but, they, but they, yeah, Chris Porter. But they all try to, if you look at this specifically, and Tennessee's good for this too. You know, on even years of presidential election, we 2 0 against Kentucky. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah. And when it comes to SEC, I'm not hearing it. Would you rather have 49 championships or 11? Would you rather have 33 conference titles or six? Okay, cool. You let me know. That's why I don't I don't argue with anybody. I just put this out there in the universe. Well, you know, Illinois says they're good. I don't care what Illinois says, they haven't seen a national player of the year. I've been going at it with some of the misses, some of her friends, their Cubs fans and their Bulls fans and their uh, their uh, uh, Illinois fans. And mm. well, Kofi, I'm like, who is that? You know who Kofi is? I don't care about Illinois basketball. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, <laughs> am I supposed to care? Well, we was good last year, and you were good in 2005 and 1989, Kendall Gill. Every 16 years. I don't need to care who you are. <laughs> That's true. I know. I need to get off my soapbox. But uh, I've got Rams in the Super Bowl. I've got Cats against going going to Florida. Is it to Florida? Yeah, I believe so. Boy, I am terrible about it. But, yeah, Cats over Florida. Uh, I've got uh, Drake making noise in the MVC, Missouri Valley. We, we, uh, we're a Drake family now. There you go. We started from they're missing on opportunity. I keep telling them, y'all need to lead into the Drake thing. Yeah. I was like, y'all need to play some Drake music up here. Start at the bottom. Uh-huh. Now we're here. I mean, you can edit it out, but lead yeah. into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. They just opportunity wasted. You're leaving money on the table, Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm going Rams also. And the halftime show is gonna be epic. And what next Tuesday? I hadn't watched the verses in a while. We got Anthony Hamilton and music on the verses, music soul child. So that's a, a grown folks music verses right after the fire halftime show. So uh, looking forward to all of that. And we'll be back next week. Um, thought I had, I forget, I was trying to get out. Somebody was already trying to come on next week, but uh, 
I'll get that all lined up and we'll have another guest for y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed that one. Appreciate everybody that listens. Appreciate everybody that watches on the Roku. Appreciate Michelle always tweeting about us. You always, you know, continuing to be that number one fan status wherever she's at, Wisconsin, Arizona. She's just, you know, living her best life in all different parts of the country. Yeah, uh, Arizona now, I think. So yeah. shout out. Shout mm-hmm. out. Good time to be out there this time of year. I won't blame you, Michelle. Sure <laughs> beach minus minus twenty, but I know that's right because she was up there in Big Ten country like you, and she she had to dip on to the Southwest. Yeah, it, it, it's different here, man. I used to make fun of the Midwest, but you need hearty foods and hearty alcohols to get to get through it up here. I tell you that, man. Well, y'all be careful. Stay yeah, safe. Come on, springtime. Y'all listen wherever you get your podcast. Watch it on Roku. Let us know what you think. We're trying to bring y'all fun, good shows every week. Thanks to Coach Michael Jones, Coach David Sis. Thanks to UTB. It's always a blast. Keep up the good work, and you'll keep the thing going on spaces, too. Hey, I missed y'all last night. I'll try to catch y'all next week. It, we we had about 40 people, and we got to a point where we had about uh, 10, 12 pe- different people talking. So I try to pull back because I saved my stuff for this. Uh, and I'm just trying to make sure everybody gets to say their piece. It was really, really good uh, uh, folks after the game to kind of come on and talk. A lot of people are excited. Post so games. Yeah, it's post game, post game spaces. Uh, so it kind of worked out. But yeah, it was fun. It was fun. We we I yeah. like doing that with JD. Very informal, very fun. That's it. And look, I got Cameron Mills tweeted out. You know, he played on a team that was 20 and four in the month of February. Just like yeah. this, pool. so you know, people he people getting excited. People just throwing stuff out there. I'm it's, excited. It's fun to be excited after. Oh yeah. So don't even don't nitpick. Just think back to what we were last year. Be excited. Don't nitpick about the little stuff you talked about. Don't don't look for reason to be, you know, stressing out about stuff. Just enjoy it and be excited. Appreciate the now. Yeah. Appreciate the now because you know we're we're running out of time to watch this team. So appreciate it's the now. Crazy. It's flying by. It's, it is. It's it's the middle of it's you know what's the day the ninth. It'll be March Madness before we know it. This season will be over. Like Cal said, this stuff it, it, it's a blur. It might not seem that way to the players. It might be a grind. It is, but it's flying. Absolutely. So we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. See y'all then. Appreciate your TV. Everybody be safe. The episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Y'all follow us and check us out, and we'll see everybody next week.